welcome everybody to our Bible study. Corey, join us, please. I'm going to stand for a bit. Much Very well. Um, today we are discussing the discipline of witness. Before we get there, each week I just kind of ask if there's anything you want to clarify or any questions or comments about the sermon. And then we can like touch at those points if there is anything. Okay, great. How was the sermon? <laughs> Alright, thanks. Um, anyways, if there is anything any week, uh, please feel free to ask and we can try to clarify some of those things. Uh, today we're talking about the discipline witness. So, so first, uh, newcomers, basically we're going through, or we have been going through, different areas of the Christian discipline. So in our life, like in the Christian life, different segments and different areas, very specifically where we need to discipline ourselves, right? And so we're just going through a couple of these things. Um, last week, what did we look at? Discipline of? Giving. Giving, right? So we talked about like offering and giving to the church and what that means biblically and then what that entails as a Christian. Today we'll be talking about something that also makes us feel very uncomfortable at times, which is witnessing and sharing of our faith, right? So before we get into that, I'll pray for us and then I'll just have a few questions to kind of thrust us into discussion. And again, it's just an open forum. Anyone's welcome to you know share their thoughts or opinions um and you know we'll talk about it let's pray god we thank you so much for this time uh with fellow brothers and sisters where we can discuss this extremely important uh discipline of uh witnessing our faith to others and being a witness of christ to others um for the sake of the gospel and for their salvation we ask the lord for confidence um we ask for boldness and we ask that you be with us in our discussion today i always pray in your name Amen. Okay, so when we talk about evangelism and witnessing Christ, uh, let me get like understanding of like where we're at here. Um, who has witnessed Christ before in their life? Like, would you say? Yes, no, maybe. Not to shame anyone, but just anyone. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, heads, heads. All right, somewhat, somewhat, somewhat. Okay, how'd that go? Or how did you go about doing that? What are some... And what are some anecdotes we have in regards to witnessing? I'm sure the campus kids who've been part of AI <laughs> have done a lot. Um, but what was the experience like, maybe to begin, like some good experiences or bad experiences, anything that you can share, some things you've learned about that just generally in regards to witnessing Christ? Um, anyone, feel free. I'll just pick on people. All right, John. This is an OG Kingdom Comer, by the way. I think uh, I was surprised with how many people were actually willing to and were interested in listening to what you have to say. Right. And, like, so I'm, I'm assuming you went in with the assumption that they wouldn't be interested. Right. No, Why do you think that was, like, sort of in your mind? I think probably societal views that you think everyone else shares because you know you see it in media too like it's not it's not being you're not very, it's not very popular to be Christian mm-hmm. and uh, to share those views you feel like you're I don't know impeding or you know like you're like forcing yourself on someone else yeah and so sometimes I think too like if someone came up to me and asked me if, they, if I had time for them I would say no right and so kind of project those thoughts <laughs> on them. <laughs> say no. And uh, I'd say you 
majority, uh, like, out of ten, maybe six or seven people would actually, especially university students, would yeah. listen or take the time to listen to what you have to share. Yeah. And have you had, like, in your life, anyone you've witnessed to actually come to faith? Have you ever experienced that? I think there are one or two right. that I actually kept tabs with. And at that point, they were still interested, but I can't say, like, I followed up for a very long period to know yeah. where that went. Um, but even then, yeah, it was pretty surprising that it, went, it lasted longer than the five minutes that I had spoken right. to them before. For sure. Okay. Uh, anyone else? Witnessing Christ or faith? Even on the mission field, even if you just went on missions and that was something you did. Um, any experiences? Sure. Right, let me just hit the pause button. No, okay, go ahead. <laughs> so, like, whenever, like, cause, like, I evangelized on campus at York. Yes. And, uh, like, on missions in China. Whoa, to, like, whoa, these whoa. students. <laughs> yeah. And like, they kind of just like listen. But that's it. What do you mean by that's it? Like, there was no. Well, like, here I am. I'm like, basically telling them that God exists. Like, cause like when I was atheist, I was like, what the heck? Like I would, I would contest that fact like alone. Yeah. I'd be like, like heaven and hell, God, like what is this, right? But when I like shared them, like the gospel, they were just like, oh, true. So I don't know what they thought of it. I don't know right. if they thought I was like crazy or like. <clears throat> or just being nice to you. Yeah, yeah I think they were just like nice people. So they were just like, oh yeah, and yeah, like yeah. one of the guys in China, like he was <coughs> bilingual and he. Um, like he understood English so I told him like the story of Jesus Christ and he was like he was just like just very respectful he was just like oh yeah that's very interesting like yeah mm-hmm. and then um, oh and then me and my friend also evangelized to like our teacher in China who yeah. was because um, we were there for like a curriculum right in, yeah. in the university and then um, the, we we talked to the teacher he was also very nice mm-hmm. and he told me that he literally never like thought about the concept of God because growing up in like you know a communist society like it was just never religion was like never brought up that way right right and he's like i'd never like thought about it he's like and i don't he's like deep down i want to think about it more mm-hmm. but it's kind of like discouraged where i live right 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 that was like the most feedback i got okay for sure i think um that i think there is a general like even if you kind of are I don't want to say aggressive, but are very direct with what you want to communicate in terms of the Christian gospel. There is a general, like, I think still a tendency on the other end to be polite about it, right? I have, I have rarely ran into, like, those internet, like, keyboard warriors where they're like, Christianity's stupid, blah, blah, blah. like, I've rarely ran into those people. And if I have, they, like, approached me. I didn't approach them. Um, but that, yeah, for sure. Um, others. Uh, so we're talking about discipline of witnessing Christ, like, evangelism. So, like, how, like, any experiences, like, good or bad, um, that you may have had, um, or your general understanding of it? Um, anyone else? Maybe one more. Any, like, current students, like, in Kingdom Come, or maybe, like, going, Jess, you're a leader. Why don't you share something? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's similar to what John shared about how, yeah, I was really surprised when I, found that people were more interested than 
than uh, than not, I guess. Right. Um, and I think part of it is because, like, like part of the interest, I guess, I realize that everyone has questions about, um, like, God, and everyone has questions about likely Christianity because it's a popular religion, but they don't, um, they don't like have anywhere to ask or anyone to ask to. So, yeah, I don't know. Everyone that I approached on campus. They had questions and they were interested in hearing our insight and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, as for follow through, like, uh, I like started serving in COVID, so we didn't really, we haven't done evangelism in a while, but um, like in person, like in yeah, yeah, in K in Casey. Okay. Um. So yeah, my experiences are limited in in Casey. For sure. I have a question for any like all of you like who. Because a lot of us who've been through campus ministry, like, we kind of, like, are, like, put into a program where we have to learn how to do this, and then you're just kind of, like, told to do it. But I'm wondering, like, pre, pre that, so pre-campus ministry, like, in your church life, exclusively in church, is witnessing Christ something, A, you have been taught to do, and B, have you done it? I'm just wondering. Not to, like, again, we're not, <coughs> none of these conversations are meant to, like, bash the church, um, but to assess the church, right? Anyone? Anyone have a church that like it, like really explicitly taught this is the faith we have, this is the faith we ought to like share, and this is how you ought to do it? My think, Hamilton oh. church, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was very, very, very missional. So like, I said, like, think, do we learn how to church today? So well, I think it was also because there were a lot of, uh, was Casey? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there were a lot of members there too. Sort of right. try to influence that. But like that, the structure was the same. That's why when I came to AI, like when they taught yeah. the gospel, it w they used the KGP, and right, that's right. what we used in our church. Yeah. So it was like, it was structured in that way. KGP is knowing God personally. It's like a little gospel booklet. Curriculum booklet. Uh, yeah, it used to be the four spiritual laws. They updated to be less weird. Yeah. We're still doing that though. Uh, no, it's no. not. It's the uh, perspective cards. I think is what they use now. A lot of perspective cards and like some other things. Dude, you know, it'd be a good tool for like evangelism. Like, what if you get that tatted on your like asleep? And like when you share with people, you'd be like, try it out. So like, this is like the first law. Okay, you do that then. Yeah, let us know how it goes. You do that, and then and I'll peel. The next time we talk about this discipline, you can tell us how to appeal to that demographic of people who are tattoos and bike riders. Quiet there, boomer. <laughs> okay, um, so, wait, were you going to say something? I was just going to say, I think we were, at least in my church, we were pushed to do it, but never how to. Or Ah, okay, so I think that's kind of like what I grew up in, is that missional or missiology and miss missional thinking is promoted primarily in two forms, like overseas. So overseas missions or like native missions or whatever you want to call it, right? So unreached people group based missions was highly promoted. And I would say a lot of people like would actually share their faith when they go to on these projects, right? Um, but local in your life, like at home, at, you know, um, in your workplaces or in school, I guess, primarily, like, was that like really taught how to do, how to do that? I don't know if that was explicitly taught. And I think one of the issues that I encountered because uh, I had a couple high school friends. Not a, I had more than a couple, but like I had a couple good high school friends. Uh, 
one of them um, <laughs> knew I, they all knew I went to church. They all knew I went to church. But in grade 12, going into university, I remember him coming out to me like, "Hey, like, um, I'm curious, like, what the Bible teaches." At this point, I'm very like, very very like immature in my faith, right? Um, and he asked for a Bible, so that I was able to do. But he asked me for like, what is it that Christians believe exactly, right? And that is where I was stumped. Because to say, oh, well, we believe in a God is the same as every other, like, religion, right? What is it ex- that makes the faith exclusive, like, it, like distinct, right? And so my attention was, of course, on, you know, on Jesus and, like, all these things. But to articulate that in a very short amount of time to someone where you have their attention, uh, I found it tremendously difficult because no one really taught me how to do that properly, right? So, I mean, I would I would love to do this exercise here, but maybe on like a retreat sometime we could do this. We'll get ready now. But if I were to give you a paper that simply said, what is the gospel? And I told you all to write it down. How many answers do you think we would get? Like realistically speaking here. I, I would hope it would be one singular thing, right? But because, and it's not your fault, I don't think the church has educated us well enough and trained us to be able to answer that question thoroughly and concisely um, we don't have a singular answer to that question that is effective to the non-christian community and that is quite sad right um, in fact there are a lot of these questions in the christian faith that would render very various amount of uh, answers such as like who is jesus who is the holy spirit <laughs> right like how many answers would we get right these are very like critical theological st- questions that should have very exact answers um, and yet the church is a little bit I guess unsure right as a whole if we're honest about it right Um, and so I think the fear of witnessing does stem from not being confident of what we know right as much as it stems from things like assumption about the audience like would they receive this well are they going to be hostile you know, are they going to hate me? Am I going to get judged? And then, of course, there's a whole shame factor of it as well. Um, I I know growing up, I was very ashamed of my faith. I know this because, like, at, in the cafeteria at lunch, I would pray in secret. <laughs> I'd be like, I'd wait for everyone to not be looking. I'd be like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I was ready to eat my food, right? Like, I know I did this. And I know, like, that it stems from this, like, shame of, like, I'm a Christian, right? Um, so, yeah. So, I think witnessing Christ is very much a practice that is mm, a little bit distant from many, many, many Christian lives, right? I have a question for those who are now uh, working. So students have kind of shared their thing, and those who are graduated have also shared sort of their on-campus witnessing stuff. But what about in the workplace, right? Um, Tony, Tony talks about this a lot, because I'm gonna, so I'm gonna pick on you a little bit. But witnessing Christ and the faith in your workplace, what are some things you've observed? I don't know, I'm kind of weird, like... I agree, good answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, I think I like um, talking to people about God especially, so I don't find it kind of, you know, I don't find that resistance mm-hmm. for me. So I actually, a couple weeks ago, um, spoke with, like, some of my colleagues. We had, like, a Zoom call, and then she got a message from her, her friend that her friend passed away due to suicide and then the moral like 
everyone's like sad and stuff like that. And I'm just like, is that true? Like just out of nowhere. That, I know it's a kind of bad segue. I'm like, I wanted to kind of see like, and uh, this one girl's like, no, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what do you think happens you know, after we die, things like that? And she's like, I think we just die. Can you end up like that? Because uh, Hyunie and I, like, when we meet up, he regularly talks about how you talk to your coworkers about yeah. your faith. And yeah. I find that very admirable because I don't think it's common. Yeah, I don't think it's common. So when you do talk about it, I find it, like, I think it's a very, like, important example for many people. Yeah, like, I like hearing those mm-hmm. stories because in my experience, because I was part of KC2, and I had to do the, like, I think our thing was you have to evangelize to like at least like 15 in order to like pass the test. I don't know if this is the same for KC now, but um, like it's very interesting to hear everyone's going through something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like from the outside, it seems like, you know, they're just a student uh, going about their lives. But if you actually have a heart to heart, ask them the, the deep questions, they all have their own thoughts. And so right. that's very intriguing and So what are some difficulties, though, you've run into in terms of, like, sharing your faith at work? Well, I guess the difficulty is, like, you don't want to, because a lot of people hate it when they kind of, hey, like, Christianity is your faith. Right. You know, like, don't put that on me. Right. Right? And so I have had some, I guess, uh, tattoos here and there. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, I've never uh, personally had someone come to Christ because I witnessed them and I long for that to happen one day but I guess the difficulty is there is a risk of ending that relationship or that you know friendship because if you continue to say that oh you know God did this so much grace for me they will find you kind of weird right so we do tend to calculate their minds we assume, I guess, like presuppose the what the effect that our sharing our faith might have upon a relationship with an individual, right? Um, and so people talk a lot about how, oh, I don't want my friend to think that I just treat them as like this, you know, mission field or like whatever, right? And that there's an agenda in the relationship or etc. Um, and we'll get to that, but I, I agree with you. I think there is a fear of that, right? Breaking mission. And then, of course, in the workplace, the difficulty is. I mean, campuses are getting more and more close to, like, open sharing nowadays, but uh, back in the day, it was like, you could evangelize no problem. But workplaces have actual law, like, rules in place where you can't do this, right? And that's a huge difficulty, right? That you can't just openly bring it up in a lot of uh, corporate or professional spaces because it's not, it's against the company policy, right, to do so, right? But at the same time, company policy is, like, they're trying to be more inclusive more than ever, so it's okay to be a Christian okay to be an atheist so my thing is that if someone complains i'll be like oh like you're hating me because i'm christian isn't that part of company policy <laughs> you know like that's discrimination like, um, yeah. yeah i mean we wouldn't openly say that but i understand yeah, what you're yeah. saying yeah, yeah for sure there is a uh, unfortunate like i guess contradiction in some of the social trends of today yes for sure okay um 
Has anyone shared their faith with anyone at any point in their life and seen them come to faith? Like truly, like still Christian, like be become a Christian and live out their life as Christians. Has anyone observed this? Either in your own life, like as a result of you sharing your faith or someone close to you, maybe you've observed this on the side. Has anyone observed this? Anyone? Tanbi, yeah? Do you want to sh- share? Oh, Brother Nijamar, yes, yes, Batuhan, yes. So we have uh, in 2012, 13, 13. Uh, so Christina and I went to Asia Minor, and we had opportunity to sh- to meet someone there, and he was a non-Christian at the time. And over the years, yeah, we shared the, our faith with him, and he was so adamant, like against like becoming Christian, but he just liked like. Asians and he liked basketball. Like he liked us as social social friends, right? And then he eventually became a Christian. And today, yeah, I mean, if you guys come to Asia Minor next year with us, you'll see him. He's actually like a church leader, like a prominent church leader. He works for a Christian organization. He produces media for like online, like for YouTube and on the radio, local radio in Turkey, um, producing Christian content, specifically apologetics contents that uh, deal with questions that you know young Turkish Muslims would have. Um, and he's now seen, uh, I think the last time I talked to him last year, he has seen over 180 young Turkish people come to Christ as a result of the media that he produces. That's unbelievable, right? In a country where there's only 5,000 Christians. So 180, that's 5, a, Christians? Yeah, so 180, that's a huge number, like percentage-wise, right? Um, and yeah, that's kind of cool. It's kind of cool to see something like that, right? Uh, we just approached him because he was wearing Kobe's and we thought, oh, that's cool. Um, <laughs> so, you know, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Thank you, thank you for your Nike shoes. Um, <laughs> anyone else seen such a thing or observed such a thing? I've actually seen on campus um, uh, at Ryerson University actually three people in one semester come to Christ and uh, to this day still a Christian. Um, me personally, I don't usually share like these stories because it sounds like you're just like, kind of boasting of things you've done, but I share it to just challenge you. Um, in my second year, when I was serving, like kind of like what Jess does, I went campus as a campus leader, um, I had this initiative. You guys know like the KSA, like the Korean Student Association? They're like super drunk drunkards, right? <coughs> so my goal was like, how am I going to share Christ with these guys? So I ended up... Um, because I play ball with them, like I play Wait, basketball. <laughs> so I was <laughs> because because I was uh, really good uh, friends with them, like playing ball. I ended up rooming with two of them for a year, and I purposely roomed with them uh, downtown, and I basically became really close friends with them. And I went to every single KSA event, like every single one, like clubs, parties, doesn't matter, right? And I would just. I would just sit there and just like silently pray for them. <laughs> and I didn't like. I yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> were you like? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but so my whole but my whole goal was like whoever was too drunk to go home or whatever, I would bring them like just the guys to. <laughs> I have to clarify this because I've been asked. I've been asked many times. But just the guys, I would bring, um, I bring them home, and let them, let them rest in our in our unit, and then in the morning, like just buy them a coffee or whatever, and then before I, before they go to class or home or whatever, I'd always just be like, hey, you know, just letting you know, like we have a campus meeting on Tuesdays, 
And also, if you want, like, I go to church on Sundays, you can totally, like, check it out if you want. And that's all I would do. I wouldn't, like, Jesus Christ, Savior and Lord. And yeah, I wouldn't do that, right? I'd just be like, hey, cool. Like, next time, if you want to meet me again, like, this is where I am or where, where you can find me, right? Um, so I just did that, like, throughout the year. And it was really hard to, like, refrain from drinking, to refrain from, like, partying and just enjoying, like, the scene. Uh, it was very difficult because I was young. Like, I was young. I was, like, 19 at the time. Like, it was very, very difficult to hold back. Um, and through that, well, three of the executives at Ryerson, they ended up coming out to our campus, like, meetings because they were so, they thought I was such a weirdo because <laughs> they'd be, like, they'd be getting, like, pissed drunk and, like, partying it up, and there's just, like, this weird kid, like, in the side just like sitting down and just like literally observing and and just just being there and doing nothing right um and Jesus thought I was so weird and eventually they got like intrigued by who I was and I got to talk with them and then we met up on campus I had lunch and all these things and eventually they came out to our meetings um and then one of them actually came to faith and then we started discipling him so our staff started discipling him and then another another brother um he had left the church going into university but he had hit rock bottom but nobody knew he's just like vice president of, of Ryerson KSA and he was so distraught ended up coming back into the faith and went back to church and we got him reconnected back to his home church and now he's like serving or I don't know now he's married and has kids but uh, ended up like serving on praise team again and like just really reignited his faith right not to say like I did anything special but it's just being present among the non-Christian crowd and just being Christian where you can be, right? Uh, it's Yes, we have to be messengers in the sense that we do need to share the gospel, and I'll talk about that at the end. We do need to proclaim the gospel. That's a mandate in Scripture, right? That we herald the gospel and we proclaim it faithfully and confidently and clearly, right? But, uh, but you can only do that if you're in, in that group. One of the issues I see with Christians today is that we're in a Christian bubble and <laughs> we're like unwilling to go outside of this bubble or tread outside of it for various fears and anxieties, right? That are involved with that. So um, I ask you, I want to share a couple things with you, okay? One of the, uh, one of Jesus' disciples, Andrew, is uh, if you read the Gospel of John specifically, um, there's a scene where he evangelizes or shares you know, he finds, uh, he gets called by Jesus, and he's typically actually accredited as being the first disciple that Jesus had appointed. Um, and then he runs to his brother, and he's like, like, I have found the Messiah. That's all it says, like, in the Gospel of John. And his brother's just, like, under this, like, tree or something. And his brother goes, like, walking to Jesus. And he's already, like, kind of, like, a John the Baptist follower, so he's kind of interested, like, is this really the Messiah? And he just leads him to Christ. And Andrew is accredited with so many of these like little instances in the Gospel of John of being in places where um, the faith is shared. Um, and so we can see various stories like that. So we're going to quickly examine some of the heart elements of Andrew's witness of Christ. But let me read a quote from you from, I don't know if you're familiar, but George Whitfield, who is an evangelist of the Great Awakening in America, uh, in one of his diaries, he shares this, Oh, with what joy, joy unspeakable, even joy that's your name like three times right there that was full and big with glory was my soul filled surely 
it was the day of my espousals, a day to be had in everlasting remembrance. At first, my joys were like a springtide and overflowed the banks. Sounds like really like old English, which it is. But the point of that paragraph is this. He was so overwhelmed with the, with the discovery of Christ, like the joy of being uh, found in Christ, that he basically writes in, in, that, in that chapter of his diary, I can do nothing but share my faith out of that joy. But we also share out of knowledge of reality. Um, are you guys familiar with Penn and Teller, the magicians in Las Vegas? I don't know, maybe I'm like too old. Maybe Isn't it. that show where they debunk? <laughs> they magicians? do have a show, yeah, and they debunk like myths and they debunk religion. And, like, they're very hardcore atheists. Like they're super, super hardcore atheists. And I actually follow all their content because I think they bring up a lot of good points for Christians to examine. Um, it could be challenging, so I don't know if you want to go search search it up if you're weak in faith. But uh, they're very, very, very challenging. They challenge you a lot on like scriptural understanding. They're very knowledgeable, although they're just magicians and whatever. But they're very knowledgeable in this field. And so one of the things that uh, he talks about in a very short clip, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, but um, Penn, basically, like the head magician, he talks about uh, an instance where he was going to a show, and after the show, um, there was a Christian fellow who approaches him and hands him a copy of the New Testament. And the, of course he knows, like the Christian guy knows he's an atheist, he's not gonna read the Bible, he's not gonna believe in the Bible, he's not whatever. But Penn shares in that 40 second video, he says, this is what Christians ought to do. They ought to share their faith. This is an atheist saying this. He says this because if you know there is a heaven and a hell, and if you know there is final judgment, how can you shut your mouth about this? So he says, compares it in the video. He says, it's like knowing a truck is heading to someone and you just watch them die. And you're okay with that. So here's this atheist like sharing this. And I watched this video like 10 years ago probably. And I'm just thinking to myself going, that's an atheist telling us what we ought to be doing. You know why he's telling us that? we're not doing it right so it stems from both joy in being found in Christ but also in hope in the hope of Christ right that this is a hope we ought to share because it's a reality Andrew has an extraordinary heart in the Bible so let me share just a couple things and then at the end I just want to ask final couple questions and then we'll wrap up but he has, first and foremost, a knowledgeable heart. We usually say knowledgeable mind, right? But here it says knowledgeable heart. His heart experienced Christ in a way where it overwhelmed him. And so his heart now beats for Christ, right? This discovery of the Messiah. A knowledgeable heart. A heart that knows who Christ is, that has relationship with him. He also had what the author calls a magnetized heart. You ever watch The Grinch Who Stole Christmas? You know when his heart grows, like, whatever. It's like, first his heart is three sizes too small, and later, like, grows, like, five sizes too big or something. Like, his heart grows for God's people, for people in general. A magnetized heart. A selfless heart. Let me read to you. Uh, John's Gospel writes this. One of the two heard, who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. 
Andrew, Peter's brother, brings Peter to Jesus, right? It's a wonderful thing. We find that in John chapter 1, verse 40 to 42. He also had what, um, what the author notes as an optimistic heart. Um, we talked a lot about some of the fears we have in witnessing because of a pessimistic attitude. Uh, we are to be optimists in the sense that we should hope for the best for those whom we share the gospel to. Right? Instead of assuming they will hate it. Right? They will not like it. They don't want to hear this. What we should honestly be doing is they ought to hear this. Right? They ought to be able to, uh, or they should and will benefit from hearing this. And then an expansive heart. This is a heart for the expanse of God's kingdom. Right? And that's the world. We see this, of course, in the Great Commission. We are to make disciples of all nations, of all people and tongues. Um, any thoughts or comments on that? The heart of Andrew. What do you guys think about that? So we talked about a knowledgeable heart, right? A magnetized heart, a selfless heart, an optimistic heart, and an expansive heart. What does that, do any of those things sort of resonate to you? Um, I'll just pick on someone. Andrew, your name is Andrew. <laughs> That's what you're named after. So what do you think? Andrew's heart. What are some thoughts that come to mind? Um, mm -hmm. When it comes to the heart that Andrew displays in terms of wanting to share Christ, um, why do you think it is that we don't have those things? Selfish? Why do you think... Um, just to, just to ask one more question. Why do you think the Christian is so selfish with the gospel? Because it's really odd to me that the Christian knows and believes that this is the greatest discovery of all time for themselves, and yet will assumes that it will be the worst thing for everyone else. Why do we assume that? Any other thoughts on Andrew's heart? Hey, I have a thought to share. It's yes. Kind of, I don't know if um, other people kind of experienced this well, but I came to Christ when I was 19 years old. Mm -hmm. And then I had, like, I'll just call him Arch Enemy. You had an guy. Arch Enemy? <laughs> Are you a superhero? No, like, uh, like, I had a guy who I was kind of like, kind of like envious of. Okay. God little, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think I, we fear 
our relationship with other beings more than God. Yeah. That's why it's a commandment too, right? Yeah. So, um, I once heard a pastor um, say this to me was the opposite of fearing God is not not fearing God. It's fearing men. That's the opposite when you fear people over God, right? There is a natural tendency for us to value the opinions of people over the judgment of God. And uh, by the time we realize the reality of that, it'll be too late, right, for many of us. Um, yes, excellent point, for sure. There is a selfishness within us to maybe even in our immaturity to think the gospel is something that only some of us deserve or ought to have. The people we hate, we especially don't want them to hear the gospel, mm -hmm. right? That's exact. Where do we see this in the Bible, right? Where do we see an example of that in the scriptures? Where do we see an example of that in scriptures where we there's a hesitation to share because of the because they're an enemy? Jonah. Jonah. Oh yeah. Right. We see this with Jonah, and we see a New Testament example of this as well. Can anyone think of it? For the keen Bible readers, someone who really doesn't want someone to have a good thing <laughs> well uh mark no is it matthew matthew luke 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 16. is this a guy who didn't want to share the gospel didn't want someone to have what what they want like what they have they already have it it's like a, it's the new testament jonah essentially so it's like i have this thing and i don't want this person to have it because they, i don't think they deserve it Luke 16 is the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost sheep, and famously, the parable of the lost son, son the prodigal son, the older brother, right? The older brother is the New, to New Testament Jonah. Jonah, in his you know, view of Nineveh as an enemy, didn't want them to have you know, this message of forgiveness from God and for them to repent, which they do. By the way, Jonah is an incredible book because... He's the worst prophet on paper, but the most effective. In fact, he's the only effective prophet in the Old Testament. All the other, Isaiah, Jeremiah, like they all fail. Like they go to Israel, repent, repent, repent. No one, no one repents. The only one that listens to a prophet is Nineveh, the enemy of Israel, and, they, and they're a Gentile community. And the message is brought to them by the worst of the prophets in Jonah, the most disobedient one. It's very ironic. It just shows you how crazy like God works in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, we see this in the older brother. You, If you knew the father's heart, what should he have ought to have done? He should have gone out after his younger brother. And yet, when his brother returns, he does not celebrate. Instead, he's pissed. Why does he get a party? I've been here this whole time, right? The attitude is wrong. And I don't think we're too different from that older brother in some sense. All right. Um, let's talk about effective witnessing and then conclude for today. Um, let's talk about ineffective witnessing first because I think this is everyone's favorite topic. <laughs> so what is, in your opinion, an ineffective method by which we witness Christ? In a modern, let's call it like just this, like urban city context, multicultural. Yelling at people, you're going to hell. Yeah, right? The Dundas guy. <laughs> Which, ironically, when you talk to him, he's one of the most gentle pastors of all time. <laughs> yeah, he's really, like, I've talked to him multiple times. He goes to the People's Church. He's actually a really, really faithful, gentle man. Um, but he's just been doing that since, like, I 
and when did he say he was doing that since like 19 must have been the 70s so Wait, what? yeah he's been doing that on the streets for like 50 years right so that has obviously you know i did have that conversation with him. i said do you think this is the most effective means by which you could share christ i've seen like uh, a young man on the subway one time was literally just like in the middle of the cart and just yelling the gospel at people right like oh jesus came to die for your sins like da 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 and this guy was like yo you shut up man like you need to shut up right and eventually the guy got so pissed he punched him he knocked him out and they got into like a fist fight and <laughs> you I was just, yeah and i was just like uh and the guy no so the guy the guy who was preaching the gospel he fell on the ground and he was like he died for this sin too <laughs> and i was like i don't know if this is effective man um isn't that biblical Get yeah, that's a good question. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, what do you think? Sure, like, what do you, but what do you think? Do we need to adjust our methods to the context we live in, or do you think we ought to just kind of keep pushing the gospel onto people so regardless? So, how would you define effectiveness? Thank you. Because you don't know who's being saved and who's not by your actions, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like you said, like if we define effectiveness based on like conversion rates, then like Jeremiah was a terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah, and Jesus is. Dis- and Jesus's <laughs> discipleship was really bad because he had a uh, he had a uh, he had twelve disciples and one of them betrayed him yeah. to his death. So he was clearly a bad disciple, right? Statistically, anyway. Um, but yeah, like what is effective witnessing anyway, right? Um, is it? getting the message across is that the point or is it to have it like actually bear fruit in the person's life so i have a story to share i'm excited and, uh, they're, they're my first evangelist like witnessing situation was from uh the the, the conference i forget what it's called Higher calling jbc yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 and uh i remember i went out and I, I only had time to talk to one person who was a Muslim, and it went on for three hours mm-hmm. of just going back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> and the Sundan was telling me afterwards that our job is not necessarily to convince people, it's to share the message and let the Holy Spirit work in them. Yeah. To, uh, so that he was telling me like it's not, it's not up to me to force it on someone. For sure. And really, it's up to spirit to, to water the seed right mm-hmm. and after that i took a lot more of a passive approach instead of arguing i would have people say if you have questions come up to church or whatever we can figure it out together not pretend like i need the answers because i didn't and eventually i think my effectiveness increased because i remember when i first joined the military and i was in basic training it was right off the back of me preparing for mission trips so i was preparing to go to the middle east when I got accepted into the military and my basic training came before going to the to missions, and so I joined the military instead. So I was still pretty pretty spiritually high, I have to say. And during basic training, that was very difficult for me because I wasn't sure how to how to keep this high <laughs> in such a hostile environment. And I told myself, at least pray before you. Just do that thing, right? Because <laughs> I was so afraid of showing this side of me to other yeah. people, especially in the military. Like <laughs> <laughs> so, to, give some, to give you some context, 
context, we would wake up four in the morning to line up for breakfast because there was just so many people waiting for breakfast. Oh, and our first, our first timing is 7 a.m. And so okay. we would have had to eat breakfast and be ready for 7 a.m. Okay. And because everyone has the same timing, everyone's getting up early to be the first yeah, one. Yeah. And you only have about five minutes to eat anyway. And so Five minutes? <laughs> yeah. Like we're, we're That's why you eat so fast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So literally military mode. Too. And so <laughs> wake up 4 a.m. and uh, we're, we're, we're sitting together to eat breakfast. And everyone's rushing to eat breakfast. And I told myself, you know, at least pray before you eat. And so I would take 30 seconds to pray just quietly on my own. Yeah. And, and they're done eating. And they're done eating and they're like, <laughs> One guy noticed, and he actually came out to me like several weeks later too. It wasn't even like about five weeks in. He came out to me and he said, I used to be a pastor and I gave up on that life. Yeah. But watching you pray every for every meal, like really inspired me. And he's like, and he actually quit the military and I think he rejoined like ministry. Oh, wow. And so I that was you like, recalled oh, the minister into <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do anything. I, did, I never prayed out loud. I never talked to anyone about religion. I just visibly made known that I was Christian and yeah. would take time to pray. And I would say that would be my was the most effective that I've and it was literally doing nothing. Yeah. On my end. For sure. Meanwhile, contrasting to me trying to debate this Muslim for three hours and nothing coming out of that. Maybe. Right. Right. So that's why I asked, like, how do we how do we know we're effective? Yeah. Like, how can we truly judge ourselves? Yeah, we can't. In terms right? of witnessing, we can't control the results for sure. And for sure, yeah. Yo, I have a st- like. I just realized. I just for- I forgot this happened. Okay. But like, this is an example of like what not to do. Okay. <laughs> so like, I'm excited. <laughs> I re- so I'm, I'm also scared. Evangelizing. <laughs> and I met this. Uh, Muslim guy in like their York cafeteria. Okay. He's eating alone. So I was like, hey, like, can I uh, like eat with you? And I would like to share with you like some story. Um, I'd like to share with you something. Yeah. So immediately he knew I was Christian and I knew he was Muslim and we like talked about the entire. Um, he actually shared his perspective on what he believes as a Muslim, and I actually learned a lot of like what they believe in right. in his sector of uh, Islam. Yeah. And then I shared him, uh, like, the, the gospel presentation, yeah. the way how I was taught to it and, and, and what I know it to be. Yeah. And, um, like, he understood it. So he was like, okay, I know what you're saying, yeah. right? Like, I understood what you're saying. <laughs> so that was, like, really good. And then I was like, and then I kind of just, like, you know, I was like, okay, this is, like, my job's not to convince this guy. Like, this is, like, this is it, right? Yeah. And we had a, a pretty good conversation. He talked for like 40 minutes. I talked for about 40 minutes. And um, I was telling him, like, this is the truth. Like, this is what you believe in is not true. Yeah. This, this, Jesus Christ is, you know, this, this is the truth. <laughs> and then... Um, <laughs> he is the truth. <laughs> and okay. he started getting, like, emotional, right? So I was like... Like, emotionally, like, anger? No, no, no. So he was, like... He was getting really red. And, like, he was very, like, perplexed. Okay. Um, no, but, like, really gentle guy. Super right, nice right. guy. And he's like, hey, like, can I um, have your number? Like, I want to, um, like, link up or whatever. Okay. So I was like, okay, like, yeah, let me give you my number. Because, you know, I want to meet with you too. Yeah. So I gave him my number. And <laughs> I'm so scared right now. Like <laughs> <laughs> can you write down what you're going to say before you say it? No, it's not that bad. It's just, no, looking back on it, I was like, oh, this is, like, really messed up. But, like, he messaged me, like, five times. 
Yeah. And he was like, hey, I want, like, yeah. can I learn more about, like, Christianity? Yeah. And I just ignored him, like, all oh. five times. Because <laughs> why? Because in my mind, like, I already did my job. <laughs> like, I already told <laughs> you what the gospel is, right? But then, like, when I thought back on it, I was like, yo, I probably should have, like, connected with him. What do you mean probably? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean probably, man? <laughs> one of the texts he sent was like, are you there? <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't respond to any of them. Because like, if I responded, I was like, oh, hey, sorry, I didn't get your text. Because then now I'm a bad Christian. I retract so, my statement. That was definitely the text. <laughs> 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 like, no, but the reason why I didn't respond, because if I responded like four texts later, like it's like kind of bad now. Because like, why isn't this Christian like being responsive and stuff? Yeah. So I, in my mind, I played the cards like, oh, I want him to think he got the wrong number, like by me not responding at all. That he was like texting nobody, right? So I just didn't respond. <laughs> okay, well, that's, yeah, that's a great example of what not to do. But thinking back, like I feel really bad about it. That, that's good. I'm yeah. glad you feel bad. <laughs> Technically, I still have his number. <laughs> no, because I don't want to meet him like two years ago and be like, hey. <laughs> oh, I mean, it, it might be admirable to actually message him now and be like, hey, I realized something I did that was messed up. He probably doesn't have your number now. Dude, I felt so bad. He, I, I'm, I feel like he prayed for you at the mosque or something. <laughs> <laughs> you were like a prayer topic in like a Muslim men's group. Mikey Kim, York University. <laughs> um, interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, fantastic example of what I'll see. But yeah, there, I think... Um, so being on campus ministry as a staff too, like I mean, Teresa and, and I could probably tell, attest to this, but methodology and philosophy in terms of approach to evangelism witnessing on campus today has become like it's a program, right? It's essentially what we're doing is is a witnessing program, and we're using tools and utilizing different tools. And the discussion has always been what is or is not an effective means, and I think the converse, conversation surrounds around what you were kind of getting at which is what detracts people from the faith? And are we doing something that maybe it's not effective witness, but actually like is a hindrance, right? And if it's a hindrance, then we ought not to do it, right? So one of the big conversations when I was on staff was we used to have that little booklet, right? The KGP or the Four Spiritual Laws. And my argument was we need to stop using this booklet. It's so stupid. Like it's like it like to take it out of your pocket and have like a pen ready to like, read through this booklet with someone was to me like just absurd in 20 whatever it was at the time 2018 2017 so right so i i just thought like like do we really want to portray ourselves as a cult here like is this like, what we want to do right? <laughs> but it's like um so you're right like is you know yelling at people at the corner of young and dundas on the subway Approaching people even like to a stranger and saying hey do you have five minutes to talk about this is that really doing Maybe it's not the best thing, but is it is it actually doing a negative right and I think that's really been a very big question mark and Then I got to the point where I said this I said I don't know if it's a negative But I know what's a positive and a positive is this the relationships I do have and in the circles and spheres where I do have some kind of ability to voice my faith, I ought to do that. So I don't know if screaming at Young, young and Dundas or on the subway 
or sharing a little booklet to strangers on campus is a negative in terms of sharing Christ. But I do know what's a positive. And the positive is, if I have a coworker who's not Christian and I'm close with them, I ought to at one point pray for them and or share my faith with them, right? Um, and to me, I, fo- I started focusing on, on that. And that became a lot more fruitful for me, right? Um, so let me ask a final kind of question as we kind of con- conclude. How can we invest in these relationships? to share our faith effectively? What are some things that maybe you've picked up, right, in your attempts to do so, or some thoughts you might have on, yeah, in, in relationships, this is all, like, these are some things we ought to, uh, like, try to do, and try to, like, make sure, like, this. these are the things that are included uh, in the list of many things of how we can share our faith t- in, in these invested relationships. Um, anybody? <laughs> so in the relationships that you do have, what are some things as a Christian we could do to get to the point where we can share the gospel? Like what are some what's included in witnessing Christ in those invested relationships? I want to make a point on, on John's like three hour debate with that Muslim. Okay. so preoccupied with saying yeah, the yeah. right things right. to change yeah. their minds like right. logically or like convincing yeah, convincing yeah, yeah so like it's good to like even the bible says you should have you should be prepared in um sharing your faith right i think apostle paul says that in the new testament i think you're talking about first peter right first peter yeah, three yeah, yeah. always give an account as or second peter three give an account yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah that one that one so <laughs> So I feel like like we ought to, as a Christian, really break um, for the non-believers. Yeah. Um, I think that is the first approach, in my opinion. Yeah. Because if I just say, hey, like, Jesus is right, uh, if I take a approach of, like, I know I'm right and, and you're wrong, that just comes out of, you know, arrogant heart or prideful heart. Yeah. So I think it starts with how the gospel saved you personally, mm-hmm. and then the thankfulness and the overjoy of receiving Christ and with that grace from the overflow we ought to share right and I think that's important because we're sharing out of love now we're not sharing out of head knowledge and wanting to be correct also like people have a fear in sharing the spectacular Right, like, or sorry, they have a fear in not sharing something spectacular. So we tend to think like we need to go to the non-Christian with this incredible story about God. But I mean, Paul has an incredible story, right? If any of you had the testimony of the Apostle Paul, you would share it with Earth, right? You'd be like, I was on the road to Damascus, and you wouldn't believe what happened, right? 
and you you know lights in the sky like clouds jesus is calling my name i fell off i was blind for a few days i would go to straight street in damascus and some random dude named ananias puts his hands on my eyes and the scales fall from them and then i can see again and then all of a sudden i'm enlightened to the truth and reality of jesus christ my entire paradigm has shifted and changed that's his testimony where do you ever see that again in the new testament if you look at all of Paul's proclamation and witness of Christ to every city he visits and every church he proclaims to, his witness is the same. Christ came, he died, he rose again, he will return. That's the gospel. It's not, I was on the road to Damascus. <laughs> That's not the gospel. Right? <laughs> so, so there's... So I gave it... Um, I'm going to focus on two things, and then, and then we'll just wrap up with final comments and thoughts. One, the gospel is not your personal testimony. Your personal testimony is how you came to know the gospel and believe and follow Jesus Christ, Savior and Lord, but it is not the gospel. The gospel message is concise and clear and the same for every Christian in this world. Your testimony is uniquely your story as to how you got there. You can share that, but not in replacement of the gospel. The second thing I want to share is this. Share the gospel, use words when necessary, is an invalid statement. It is wrong. It is biblically wrong, actually. Um, share the gospel in your action and in your words. In fact, the words are necessary, right? To validate your actions right so as John was saying like oh I prayed and that's all I did and this guy you know changed his life or whatever right yeah that was God working in him and etc but in that guy's case he had already heard the gospel at one point in his life and he was reminded of that truth right so John necessarily didn't have to sit down with this ex-pastor and be like this is the gospel sir right but if he was a non-christian that might have led to a conversation where he would have had to now articulate the gospel to this person. Articulation of the gospel is extremely important. So one of the things we're going to do after this book study, in when we go into the Westminster Confession of Faith, is look at exactly what are the points of the gospel. And I'm going to give you a concise articulation of it so that you can use it in your own life and be equipped to share the gospel with anyone and everyone. Right? And that, as soon as that framework and that foundation is, is there, then we can start doing the other things. And then your good actions, your good deeds, your values and virtues that you exemplify, your spiritual practices and habits that are publicly displayed and people are get to know those things, like they then understand why you do these things. Right? Um, so yeah, those two things I wanted to mention. Okay, final comments or thoughts on witnessing Christ. Okay, shyer, introverted people. <laughs> Listen um, up. Because like, I am not like a charismatic speaker. Like I communicate better in writing. I prefer like one-on-ones. I prefer group settings. And I prefer talking to people I know versus like new people I haven't met yet, right? Um, but I feel like a very underrated part of like gospel sharing, especially with those that you're close to, is like how well you listen. Like you're so focused on, like I think earlier on, like I was like just learning to like, oh this is so uncomfortable, but I know I have to do this, and like trying to share the gospel, 
I think I missed out on various openings in the conversation where the spirit was leading or maybe like a chance for them to like voice their own faith in a way and realize like, oh, this is flawed. Like, why am I believing this, right? And God could have worked in that way. Or not to say he can't, but you know. Yeah. And so I feel like I like to think <laughs> um, like a lot of conversations that I had with like my gay or lesbian coworkers at Starbucks, like they knew I was Christian, so they would always be like, oh, that's the Korean Christian girl, right? She's going to report us to God or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you should be like, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like they knew I was Christian, right? But yeah. then a lot of times like when we'd end up like hanging out after our shifts or whatever, like they would talk to me and they were always like very surprised that I wasn't trying to like convert them. Mm. Like, because <laughs> I would like ask them questions or like yeah. ask them like, oh, like, you know, um, you know, what are you doing in life? Or like, what are you sure about or whatever? And I think um, I like to think that they have a better <laughs> like perspective on Christians, I hope. But um, I think that's also a very like essential part of sharing as much as like you should be aware and like you should know like confidently yeah. like the gospel and be able to share if they ask but yeah that too um, yeah 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 you definitely like is to the audience you are preaching to and the audience that you're sharing to um, I do think there are contextual differences that will be had depending on the nature of the mission field you are preaching to right so the way I would approach evangelism with a Muslim is very vastly different with an atheist right it's not to say like the core elements are missing they're there but the means by which I would get to that conversation I think would be quite different right and I've experienced this on like multiple mission fields too right we see this in scripture too right um, you ever see Gordon Ramsay like how he treats kids compared to how he treats adults it's literally that right like there, he understands what is appropriate and inappropriate to help someone cook better, right? In one case, in our case, how they can receive the gospel in, in a manner in which they can um, faithfully receive it and receive it correctly, right? So I think that's a really important conversation we ought to all uh, have and an important element. So although there is a contextual element to evangelism, I do think we can't um, compromise on the core sharing like that the foundational sharing of the gospel because that's biblical Teresa ex-staff give us your final insight on this (laughs) 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 um relying on the spirit relying on the spirit amen um like I think something that was common that everyone kind of said is like we kind of rely on ourselves and you're trying to persuade them but we kind of believe it in God's hands and I think in that sense um, even like in that book like um, Disciplines of Grace where Jerry Bridges was talking about how confident we are in preaching the gospel on our good spiritual days versus our bad spiritual days and the confidence that we have on our good days versus our bad shows that we don't understand God's grace like Mm -hmm. God's grace is not different when you know we're we've had our QT and like we've been praying versus not right like yeah. in any situation his grace is there and like he can change hearts and and so yeah like in that it's like we rely on God's grace that is consistent and um, that is available and 
our job is to be obedient, right? Is yeah. simply to be obedient and not to, um, yeah, focus on our what we know, but to rely on God's spirit. And um, and I think it's just, yeah, important to like some people to listen and to look for opportunity um, because it's always there, right? Yeah, opportunity is always there. I think we just are so focused on our our own lives and our own self that we just don't think about it and then a lot of times afterwards we're like oh that was such a good like yeah gospel opportunity and so um yeah for sure that's important like be alert to opportunities right wherever you are can i I share something real quick of course yeah i won't i won't take too much time i promise no worries Um, i'll hold you to that promise (laughs) 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 i'm just kidding i'm just kidding go ahead Um, (laughs) i i really liked everybody's answers ashamed of the gospel, right? Because if you really knew like what the gospel was, you wouldn't be ashamed of it. So I think oftentimes we forget about what the gospel truly meant, mm-hmm. or means, sorry. And then <clears throat> sort of like the lack of knowledge or the remembrance of what the gospel actually is, right? right? And then that kind of gives us a lack of confidence, which actually ultimately uh, hinders us from actually going out there and sharing it, right, with confidence. So I think um, someone mentioned like the knowledge, it's, it's super important. Because you have to obviously know like what you're talking about, right? Um, and obviously, you have to be a Christian, right? Um, there have been a lot of people that I've met who weren't a Christian, but they were sharing the gospel, right? So that's a big, um, you know, uh, red flag. Um, also, um, just a couple of like, I guess, well, what helped for me uh, when I was like sharing the gospel in my workplace and in school. Um, at the very least, I made it my goal make it known that I was at least a Christian. Because mm-hmm. okay. so I, I, I struggled with um, like confidence and like fear of this, fear of that. And it was going back to what we were talking about. It's because we ultimately fear more, uh, we fear uh, people more than God. Mm-hmm. And also that transitioned to like a lack of uh, <coughs> love, uh, love and trust in, in God. And so when you try to take matters into like your own hands, right? then that's when it becomes forceful on people and that's what actually repels them away from the truth rather than bringing them closer to the truth, right? So, you know, burning bridges and stuff like that. But also I think, I truly think discipleship or like, you know, plugging them into a community where they can grow and learn more in that knowledge of truth is synonymous with actually gospel sharing. Mm -hmm. Because you can't just like, and I, I struggled with what Mikey was sharing earlier too. Like for me, it wasn't hard to like share the gospel the challenge was to actually commit and invest in the people who are sharing the gospel. Right. Right. And I think we shouldn't have that. Um, we shouldn't have that um, sort of expectation where we're just going to kind of like, you know, okay, I just did my job and, you know, next person, right, yeah, stand yeah. up, right? Um, but I think it's super, super important to um, continuously teach them how to grow because I can't tell you how many times where I shared the gospel with someone and a lot of them, you know, they, they fell away because they weren't like plugged in or something like that. You know, sure. I mean, they were not in a community where they can thrive in their faith 
yeah. and grow more in the knowledge of truth, right? And so, obviously, like if I were to do that again, it would be a little bit different than how I did it before. But um, ultimately, everything has to be driven by prayer, right? Um, if you're not praying for the person, if we're not reaching out to our local communities and the people around us, as you were mentioning earlier, um, for me, it doesn't make sense to desire to go to a different country to do the same thing that I can just do here. I'm not saying like don't go to a different country if you believe God is calling you to go for like short-term missions or SDMs, but I'm saying like what you do here should reflect like what you want to do out there, right? Oh, for sure. Because Jesus never said like you know oh go to the ends of the earth first and then just come back, right? No, but as you are going, as you are evangelizing, as you are praying for people, as you are witnessing Christ here, go and make disciples, right? So um, I know it's it's very the last thing I'll say. I know it's very like scary. I know there are times where we just don't want to do it, right? But ultimately, I truly believe um, if we continue to spend more time with Jesus in the Word, we will have a more desire to share Him with the world, right? So um, it's not a secret recipe. There's no like specific, you know, secret formula or approach to it. You know, God has given us different gifts and abilities and different environments where we can. If everybody did their part, you know, the world would be looking more like how God yeah, wants it to be, right? Sure. Thank you. That was a great wrap up. Yeah, I have a question. Okay. How do you evangelize if someone's deaf? Uh, sign language is a thing. Um, secondly, there are people who are trained in uh, being able to deal with people with different disabilities uh, to share the gospel with those people. Now, if it's a if it's an issue of the ability to, like, actually, like. Like, there's an issue with the brain where they can actually, like, understand what's going on. That's another matter. And I think uh, then we can go to the Bible. And, of course, the Bible speaks about, you know, how Christ is, of course, the central means by which anyone is saved. There is no other way. There's no other door. So just because, you know, if you're an infant who dies like a baby, maybe in the womb or, like, even outside of it, or you're a senior who doesn't have the mental capacity to understand or a disability that disallows that, um, that doesn't excuse you from having to have faith in Christ to be saved. Now, how that faith is conjured and actually constructed in the heart and mind of the person is like you and me, just God's grace, right? So if God chooses to save a baby, an infant, by his own grace means, that's, his, that's how he saves you. Just because we have the mental capacity to understand the gospel doesn't make us exceptional compared to those people. We are sinners, broken and, and in a fallen world, and like fallen creatures who don't have the urge or need or desire to want the gospel. He has to regenerate you through his spirit to even receive the gospel, right? He has to do and activate the same thing in those people as well. How that materializes in terms of faith in the person, just like you and me, is up to God, right? So I leave that in his hands. That's the beauty of Calvinism. I'll wrap up with that. Let me pray. God, we thank you so much, Father, for all you've taught um, and all you continue to teach in our lives. We ask, oh Lord, that we would all become powerful witness of Christ uh, wherever we are found and wherever we may be to whomever you have called us to. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Yeah.